Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll be featuring Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider. A lot to talk about, including whether when you buy a smart TV, how smart are they and are they watching what you're doing? We'll also hear from Dan Berg of, of The Verge. All this and more this week on the Tech Night Out Live. Okay, let's just go back in time a little bit, Daniel. Say, very recently we heard that Google paid a fine because they did something funky with Safari cookies so they could still track you anyway. What was that about? Uh, back in February of last year, 2012, the Wall Street Journal reported they they looked into the situation where in in Safari and Apple's web browser, it's set by default to turn off access to third party cookies, and that's a security measure because basically a cookie allows a website or a web server to put information local to your setup or configuration on your computer, and if it's the site you're going to, that that makes sense that they're saving state so that they can tell you they can set up the web page the same way that you left it when you last visited. But in some cases, there's more than one server that's that's creating the page that you're looking at. And so Apple set up a default configuration that does not allow third parties to inject stuff on your page and save cookies so that they can track you. One of the companies that like to do that is uh, advertising companies. So if you go to a web server, you can go to a series of different websites and an ad network server Mm -hmm. is putting a little bit of the page on each one of those. And so your web browser is saving cookies for those different companies, or it's, it's the same company on different websites that allows that company to then track everything you're doing and relate it all together. So you go to this site and you go to this site and, and they realize, oh, you like both these things. We're going to you know, put ads that relate to both those things on, on everything else that you see. I'll give you an example of this. For example, I was looking up pet food online trying to find specifically something that would suit our dog, maybe something better than he has now. Within a few minutes, every ad I checked on every site was all about pet food. Right, and advertisers like that because obviously they want to put more relevant things in front of you than, I mean, instead of sending you ads of things that are not going to appeal to you at all, it's, uh, it's certainly in the advertiser's benefit to put ads in front of you that you may respond to. And um, in some cases, that's you know, it's kind of a good thing. In other cases, people, particularly on the web, and increasingly in mobile and in apps, they don't like the idea of uh, being tracked in everything they do and have have all their behaviors and activities related to everything they do, and in, in particularly in, in more sensitive contexts, be compiled by third parties. And part of that is, you know, if, if the government has access to this kind of stuff, there's a concern that you know, what if what if things get, you know, the slippery slope of getting more and more down this road where there's no privacy whatsoever? So one of the things, you know, Apple doesn't sell, Apple has an ad, ad network and they let you opt out of it. And they do the same types of things in terms of um, creating ads that uh, have relevance. So they make it possible, like a lot of other companies, to opt out of the system so that you just get generic ads as opposed to something that's trying to target sort of what you're looking at. But Apple's primary business is selling hardware. So they're not primarily interested in selling you to advertisers. In fact, it's a pretty low priority. IAD is 
primarily designed to sell content that can't be sold by itself. So it's selling things like free apps. It's monetizing free apps and iTunes radio, things like that. Apple doesn't put ads all over the Mac desktop or iOS or anything like that. Interestingly, they, they experimented with that a long time ago in the days of Sherlock, and they realized, no, this is not good. Google is, is eccentric to their business model, and a lot of other companies that have very little hardware margins, it's kind of essential to their business model going forward, too. How do you sell things? How do you make any money if you're not making any money on the sale of the hardware? Well, you plaster with ads. And that's something that Microsoft tried to do. If you remember in the days of the Zune and you know that kind of generation, they thought they were going to sell really cheap hardware and then just like push ads at people. And that did not work at all. So we have a lot of precedent for saying this whole idea of just monetizing everything with ads does not work. It results in crappy products. It results in basically the web. That's what Google has been monetizing. And so when you go to the web, there's lots of information, but it's just, you just have to dig through junk. And you do a web search, you get all these intentionally misleading stuff. And Google's a participant in that because they're making money on it. And so it's a really bad product. And that's why people are increasingly turning to apps because when you buy an app, you're at least getting what you expect to get. And if you're paying for it, then you can expect a better experience than if you're getting some free site that's monetized by ads. But what Google got caught last year that you referenced, uh, beginning of 2012, it was reported that, I mean, Apple's had this, I think it's kind of as long as Safari's existed, is blocked third-party cookies. Well, they are a third-party vendor of cookies, and they wanted to put it on anyway. So what they did is they worked around it by exploiting some things that allowed it to basically track you anyway. And once it came out, they said, they came up with a statement and they said, no, this is misleading. They're, they're not telling you the truth. And we're really just trying to make it possible so people can like things on Google Plus, which was a lie. I mean, they're, they're very purposefully working around a system that's trying to block third party apps that is a default, but it's like what users are choosing or what's chosen for users. And they were making money on it. And, and they were basically sneaking around the edges, trying to deal with the gray areas to get information they were not entitled to get well i mean yeah they they were just like working around and the biggest part of it was in the when you go into safari settings if you're a user even though the 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 decision is already set for you to block third-party cookies you can choose to turn that on and if you choose to turn it on then that's what you should do and google should recommend to people hey if you want to get relevant ads turn this on we'll give you the best ads that we can send you but instead they did it kind of sneaky so they left the setting so it said no and in fact they told people if you, if you went onto their their privacy website google was telling people a lie they were saying this is off so we're not going to track you in safari we can't track you and they were and they knew they were so they were lying to people and that's what they got in trouble for what was and google's excuse google didn't really have an excuse they just wanted to do it so they did it that's what everything google does they, they act like teenagers like, as a company they just go out and do whatever they want. If they think they need something, they just appropriate it and use it. If they, they hope either to avoid books. the consequences or if there are consequences, well, what's the big deal about Google paying $10, $20, $30 million in fines? Cost doing business. That was, that was the case here. And yeah, it is a risk slap. But in general, the courts have been supportive of Google saying if Google can imagine a, a fair use case for anything, they can just take it. So they can go through and take all the books in the world and they don't have to get rights. They just grab all these books. They make a robot to read them and put excerpts on them online. And if you have wrote, written that book and you have copyright and you say, hey, I don't want this to happen, you have to jump through hoops to stop Google. That's not how our copyright system works. 
you can't just like sell other people's movies and then if they complain about it then you're like oh, okay well you know file a complaint and we'll think about it that's not how our system works and that's that's what the court is allowing google to do is take anyone's content put their ads on it make money off it and they don't have to even share anything back i mean they can decide what they want to share back if anything it's kind of crazy what what the courts are deciding uh, google should have rights to do just because they can think of a good reason to do it and it's interesting that the privacy advocates haven't really targeted google even though that they're some of the worst stuff in the in the tech world is being propagated by this company that has a lot of control over people's privacy and access to it there's starting to be kind of a backlash especially with google plus you know it's basically google's version of facebook uh it's a little bit different in that if you use facebook it's because you decided you wanted to use facebook and you create profiles and maybe you don't know how much information they're recording about you but it's not really a secret that when you put information in facebook you're giving information to facebook and it may end up available to other people so there's well, the big thing about facebook that bothers me daniel is the fact that they frequently change terms of service so even if you can figure out what it's all about next week there may be a new set of services or terms of service and suddenly you have to rejigger all your preferences so the wrong people don't find out things about you yeah we do know that we have daniel aaron dilger joining us i'm gene steinberg you're in the tech night how live Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two. A2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code Gene. When you check out. Making the right decisions is a challenge to investors. Are we going to see economic growth, slide into a recession, or at worst, depression? Hi, Ted Anderson from Midas Resources. We all know when a company acts irresponsibly, divesting ourselves in a move towards safety is prudent. When the market becomes volatile, U.S. Treasuries are a safe haven. But what do you do when the U.S. government overextends itself and spends beyond its means? Many investors are turning toward gold as a common-sense alternative to traditional paper investments. Midas Resources has put together a powerful book titled 10 Reasons to Own Gold, discussing costs, benefits, risks, featuring full-color illustrations, weights, and measures. The book is free and can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. Paper investments are dwarfed by gold's 6,000-year history. Discover how gold may be right for you and your IRA by calling 800-686-2237. Whether buying or it's time for you to sell, the book is free. Call 800-686-2237. Here at MyPatriotSupply.com, our customers are number one. Built on a self-sustaining business model, we don't owe our existence to big banks or big business. Instead, this company was built by you, the customer. The success of MyPatriotSupply is a testimony to the loyalty and dedication of each and every one of you. 
to our old-fashioned values and top-rated customer service. These elements alone have made us the choice of patriots everywhere. We believe that being prepared should not be a luxury reserved by people with large disposable incomes, which is why we have the products you need at the prices you can afford. We bring you our Patriot Pantry brand of storable food, which features top-of-the-line flavors and carefully packed to store for 25 years, plus water purification systems, non-GMO heirloom seeds, survival gear, all perfect for off-grid living, and much, much more. Visit MyPatriotSupply.com or call 866-229-0927. That's 866-229-0927. MyPatriotSupply.com. Positive results from satisfied customers of Heart and Body Extract continue to pour into our website, hbextract.com. This is Al from New Jersey. One day I saw your ad for Heart and Body Extract, and it mentioned that it would help me with angina, so I decided to order. I figure I had nothing to lose. Heart and Body Extract supplies your body with everything it needs to balance itself and maintain optimal heart and circulatory health with no negative side effects. I took the formula three times a day as directed, and I kid you not, within four days, my angina pain was completely gone. Order HB Extract by calling 866-295-5305 or online at hbextract.com. That's 866-295-5305 or hbextract.com. I could not believe it actually stopped the pain. Heart and Body Extract actually works. This is just an amazing product. Even the numbness in my hands is completely gone. Heart and Body Extract for a long and healthy life. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. We're into privacy here, folks, with Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider. And as I was mentioning in the previous segment, with Facebook, there are frequent changes to terms of service. So you get used to one thing and you go in there and you figure out what preferences you want and what kind of privacy you want. But next week they change it. So you have to start all over again. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly a concern. And um, the difference I was portraying with Facebook and, and Facebook has some real privacy issues. But the difference between Facebook and Google Plus is that people chose to use Facebook in the beginning. And you can realize, you know, it's like if you're using it, there may be some data that you're not wanting to be shared. Where with Google Plus, I mean, basically Google is retrofitting all of its services that people are already using to track you when you search, to track you when you make a comment on YouTube. You know, just like everything that Google owns, they're putting in hooks into Google Plus to like pull you in and create a profile for you automatically. And that's something that people are really concerned about. And see, there's you know petitions that are being signed by hundreds of thousands of people saying we don't like this idea of retroactively creating a profile on me and having limited control over how things are going to be shared. And, and it's the same situation with Facebook, like you're mentioning, they can change the rules at any point in the game and just appropriate huge amounts of information about you and then sell it. That's their whole business model. Okay, with Google+, Plus, let's point that out. With Facebook, I can decide if I want to join. I can decide if I want to cancel my membership. With Google+, Plus, they sign you up unless you say no. As long as you have like a Gmail account or something like that. Yeah, and, and now they're kind of saying in retrospect, hey, you can leave if you want to, but you know, you're not, your stuff is not going to work anymore. It's not really classy leverage that they're using there. 
And, you know, I'm sure if Apple did that, they wouldn't get away with it either. If, if they came in and said, oh, by the way, you know, to use the stuff that you've been using, we're going to like demand onerous control over your privacy settings and all this other stuff. And we're going to shock everything you do. Fortunately, Apple hasn't gone that direction yet. And I, I think with the backlash that we're seeing with these other companies that are ad driven, I think it's more likely that Apple will not only not go that direction, but also will increasingly kind of point out that that's not what they're doing. And, and Tim Cook has made a couple of statements in various calls of kind of referencing that, that notion of we're not an ad company. That's not what we do. I mean, he was like one of the only tech companies to go to testify in Congress about privacy and to say, you know, that's not core to what we do. Okay, let's look at this a little bit further in another way. All right, so we know what Google's doing. We expect that Google is going to do everything it can to track you, to get you to look at those targeted ads. And if you don't go through some extra means to prevent that from happening, what will happen? Well, like I said, I was looking for dog food, and then I was inundated with information about dog food until I got into something else. I was looking for a pair of pants. And I saw Levi's ads everywhere. I was checking out new cars. So forget about it. All right, let's look, though, at another area where they're tracking you. Now, we all have these smart TVs now. More and more are being sold. And I should point out that not many people really use the features. We have smart TVs, and they always have Netflix and YouTube and everything. Now, LG is apparently trying to be like Google, aren't they? Where you have these apps that come with your LG TV, when you run them, they're watching what you're doing. It's not like a webcam where they see you physically, but they're tracking with cookies, right? Well, it's not only only apps, it's the whole TV system. I mean, there was a guy that was basically talking about what what his television was sending back to LG in terms of every time you change the channel, it's like, he's now watching the BBC, he's now watching this, he's now watching that. So it's kind of like this automated Nielsen ratings not saying that they're doing that either. That's kind of one of the, the big problems is that A, there's no disclosure that they're doing that. And B, there's there's apparently some terms and conditions thing where they say, hey, check this box. And now we have just rights to everything. And, and that's just illegal in most countries. So it's a very unsophisticated product that they think that they're just going to basically take everything terrible about the web and push it into the, the future and basically leave us in this sort of 1990s web world where we're being tracked and we're having just ads splashed on everything just because they can. So I think, I think there's going to be sort of a backlash to that. But the interesting thing about this smart TV from LG, that it has a setting to, to turn off this data collection. Even though it doesn't really say that it's collecting data, there is a setting that says data collection off. And when you turn it off, it has apparently no impact on what it actually does because it keeps sending information back. So that's also kind of a big problem. I mean, that's kind of like what Google did. And and saying, oh, here's the setting, they say off so we can't collect data, but they are anyway. I mean, that's lying to the consumer. That's, that's kind of a serious problem in terms of you know, privacy implications to say this is happening when it's not happening. And remember, LG has been working with Google in the past years with Google TV. So they were primed to like, this is how Google operates. And looking at the ad networks that this smart TV from LG uses, part of it is hitting double click, which is Google. So I mean, Google's benefiting from this thing too of putting ads does google therefore have a contract with lg to get their targeted ads in there well i mean they're just an advertiser it's like you know if you go to a web page you're getting google ads you're getting some other network or you know there's several different ad networks that are all vending ads to there's like ad networks behind the scenes that, that 
figure out what ad to put up and how much money the publisher gets and all this kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, Google is certainly the leader in in putting those ads up and, and monetizing stuff. So it's not really surprising that TVs and all these other devices are trying to push the same sort of ads. But I mean, that's not really where Google makes its money. A lot of people think that Google makes its money from banner ads. And they're kind of trying to, but that's only because they've run out of their their main money source, which is monetized search. It's paid search. So when you go to Google, I mean, Google's product was that we ha- we figured out how to make really good search, except no one's going to pay to search the web. If you remember back in the day when we had AltaVista and, you know, Yahoo and Microsoft and whatever, and the search was kind of like, it was not that great. And Google came up with a search that delivered they found just amazing stuff. You could put in a few words and you could find anything. And Google search is really incredible and in how good it is at finding certain things at least. Um, but that no one's going to pay money for that. So you can create a product that no one's going to pay money for. You have to figure out how to monetize it. And what Google found was if they work with advertisers to put in relevant results, so you're searching for, you know, a wedding dress or something. And it's like, here's this company that sells wedding dresses. That's really valuable to the advertiser because here's somebody who's ready to buy. It's like when you get on, go into a, you know, th- some third world country on vacation, you get off the plane and there's like six people there that are ready to show you all around town. And, you know, here I have restaurants you can go to and I have, I have a hotel you can stay at. They're getting kickbacks. That's what, that's what, what Google does. They, hey, you're looking for something. It's much less effective if you're walking down the street and someone's just offering you things you don't care about. And that's what banner ads are. It's just you're going to a web page and there's just ads all over the place about stuff you don't care about because you're not even looking for those things. The real money is in paid search, but only on the desktop. Remember, that's one of the things Steve Jaws pointed out a long time ago when he, when he debuted iAd is that people are not on mobile devices. They're not going to Google search to look for things. They're going to apps. So if you're going to a restaurant, you don't pull up you know, your web browser and say, Google restaurants in my zip code, you say Yahoo. You so, go to Yelp, you launch so, Yelp, and you look up your restaurants. We've got Daniel Aaron Dilger of Apple Insider and Roughly Drafted Magazine joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night How Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com.
It's time for a home security quiz. What effective home security device is smaller than a coffee cup, fakes out burglars into thinking someone is home at your house while you're away, plugs into any wall outlet, is recommended by many police departments, and sells for less than $30? Yes, it's fake TV. This year, about one in every 50 U.S. homes will have a break-in, with burglars usually picking the easy target, a dark house that looks like no one is home. Fake TV is a small electronic security device that makes it look like someone is home watching TV by simulating the light from a real TV. Fake TV could be the difference between coming home to a secure house or one that's been ransacked. To get your fake TV for only $29.95 with free shipping, go to faketv.com or call 1-877-5-FAKE-TV. That's 877-532-5388 or go to faketv.com. Fake TV, the burglar deterrent. To thank you for being a loyal listener, we have a limited time freebie offer for you. Claim your free heirloom tomato seeds, just pay shipping, right now at 123freeseeds.com. These aren't ordinary seeds. These are heirloom, non-genetically modified super seeds that are open pollinated and can be grown, harvested, and replanted endlessly. These survival seeds are actually more valuable than gold in a crisis. Go to 123freeseeds.com and you can get an airtight storage packet of 150 super seeds free while supplies last to say thank you for being a loyal listener. First come, first served. Just cover shipping. Go to 123freeseeds.com now to see if your free heirloom seeds are still available. That's 123freeseeds.com. My name's Bruno. I'm 52 years old. I've tried different protein powders over the years, and they've all tasted pretty bad. I tried One World Whey and found it to be delicious. After 10 weeks on One World Whey, my wife commented, you have more muscles and you're leaner than when you were 20 years old. My body has changed dramatically. I'm a cyclist. Normally, I'll ride two days on and take two days off. After being on One World Whey, I rode 10 days in a row in over 100-degree heat, and then I'd take another two servings of One World Whey and then work out at the gym for another hour and a half. I just couldn't believe these results. My normal muscle tightness and soreness after working out are virtually gone. Don't take my word for it. One real way comes in single servings. Just give it a try. For a health and taste sensation you'll love, call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit oneworldway.com. That's oneworldway.com. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. So we're focusing on your online privacy and about Google's business model, which is targeted ads. So for example, I mentioned before looking at new cars. So say, for example, I search for a Kia Optima, which is Kia's mid-size sedan that competes with Honda Accord and Toyota Camry. If I go to the page that has that information, there are a bunch of items, but the first three are ads related to Kia Optima. These are companies, three companies, that have paid to be there. Then on the right side bar, there are another 10 ads from different companies that have decided to be there because of where I am 
a lot of those ads are from local car dealers. So this is the way Google makes its money. The people who search for a car will see ads paid for by the manufacturer or the dealers related to that car. Yeah, and in some cases, that's not bad. I mean, that's kind of what you want to have. You'd rather have some sort of relevant, you know, here's, here's something that will help you than just to have, boom, here's ads for junk that you don't care about. If you go to really terrible websites, which probably my personal blog, the ads I haven't really done anything with in a long time, they have these just like filler ads. They're, they're really ineffective. They're like spam in your mailbox. They're just worthless garbage. But it's so free to like put them everywhere that if somebody in one in a million clicks on them, it's worth doing. So you just have this garbage bunch of ads. And, you know, Google, Google's making money on those, but they would prefer to make money on more relevant ads because you can make a little bit more. If you're sending out ads, you know, if you're looking for a car and they're saying, well, here's some other car options, here's dealerships, here's whatever, something that's sort of relevant to what you do or what you're thinking about. There's some aspect of value there. But where the privacy comes in is when you tell people that you're not tracking them and you are, when you tell people that you can turn it off and you can't, and when you track everything people are doing without any of their control, people do not like that. And when you start putting ads on everything to the point where it's just too much, people don't like that either. So I've noticed like, you know, I use Facebook and Instagram and a lot of different social services. They've started putting ads in just the last year. And it's getting to the point where it's pretty annoying already because it's like something about a friend, something about a friend, something about an ad that sort of appears to be a friend, but it's not really. And it's an ad and it's an annoying ad. There's only so many billboards you can erect before people start saying, hey, we don't like billboards everywhere. And there's sort of a backlash to it. So I think there's going to be increasingly, I mean, we've just seen over, it was basically in the last year that all these social networks have been putting ads in their content feeds. And I think there's like a diminishing level of return. There's not an infinite supply of ads you can push in people's face. Okay, let's go back to a smart TV. I go and buy a TV. And one of the features of the TV, other than the 3D and all the other stuff, is the apps. Now, as you're telling me, I guess when you set up an LG TV, a smart TV, you are going through a setup panel and you have the terms of service, which you click on, agree, because how many people read terms of service? And it doesn't work. Those terms of service are saying, we're going to send you targeted ads. And I'm thinking here, I'm buying a TV set. I paid for this product. Why should I be put in a position where I have to face, confront advertising just to run some services? Well, Microsoft basically invented that. If you remember in 1998, Windows 98 came out and the, the Windows desktop was covered with all this advertising stuff. And they had this whole notion of push content. It's kind of like, you know, it was basically like an alternative to the web and it failed, but now the web is doing it in that uh, they wanted to just constantly have, they wanted to basically turn the, the computer into a television. So it's just blaring ads all the time. And there was sort of a backlash to that. People didn't like that. But it was because Microsoft wasn't making that much money selling copies of Windows to every PC. They were making a lot more if they could push advertising in. And so over the last decade since, Microsoft and its partners, which means hardware, the people who are selling the PCs, increasingly put layers of junk and adware and crap on the computer. So it would constantly do this pop-up, and it just became this thing where people hated it. And there was just huge backlash to it. And that's one of the reasons why Apple got so much attention. You know, their whole get a Mac campaign was basically, we don't have all those adware and crap because we're selling you a premium product that doesn't need to have ads all over it to make money. And people, 
<laughs> quite decisively started buying Macintoshes. And that's kind of similar with what's uh, supporting the iPad, because when you buy the iPad, it's a nice device. And individual, you know, if you go to a website or if you go to an app, there may be ads within it, but it's not just ads, ads, ads all over the interface and all over every layer and just constantly watching everything you're doing and you can turn stuff off. And Apple took a, um, a very kind of nuanced approach to both security and access to your stuff so that software on the device can't just, you know, turn on the camera and start recording what you're saying and send it back for analysis. And other companies do not do that. Google has this open operating system that lets anybody do anything. So if you're an advertiser, if you're a, a hardware maker, you can put in all kinds of stuff to track people's behavior and what they do and what they watch and what they listen to and advertise to them. And that's what Samsung is doing. And the, the free app that uh, Samsung came out as a promotion to their you know premium so-called phones, the Jay-Z app was supposed to be a free album, but really what it was is it tracks everything you do and it plugs into Android and sees all the apps that you run and all this information sucks it up so that they can advertise to you. And all these companies that Google is fueling with their disregard for user privacy, because they don't care about users, they care about advertisers, because that's who their customer is. Google doesn't sell anything. They can't sell anything. They've been trying to sell, you know, Nexus devices and Motorola devices. Nobody wants their devices. So they're selling the users to advertisers, because that's where they know how to make money. And so they can't they, sell hardware, they sell the person who buys the hardware. Yeah. And their partnerships with Google TV have taught Samsung and LG and all these companies that were, you know, kind of foreign partners for that. We can do this on our own. We can basically turn the TV into a PC from the late 90s. It's just covered with ads and has new sophisticated technology to track what you're doing. And that's one of the things with, with Microsoft's new um, Xbox One is that it has the ability to watch who's in the room and, and to profile what's, what's happening and what things you do and what you watch. So it's not just a video game system. It's like a very sophisticated bit of spy machinery that allows them to target ads to you in a very specific way because they're not really making much money on the hardware. All right. Now, we see LG is the one that you wrote about. So... What about Samsung? What about all the other companies? Are they in the same boat here? You buy a smart TV and you agree to the terms, suddenly you'll be inundated with advertising too when you run those apps? Well, the specific behaviors um, are dependent on what the company chooses to do and whether they're, whether they're breaking the law or not. It kind of depends on what, what specifically they choose to do. But all of them are working towards this sort of um, web-style TV combination that that the market has rejected over and over again. People don't like that. And in fact, even broadcast television, which has just been full of ads forever, people have increasingly paid money to have channels that don't have ads on them. So people started paying money for HBO. People started paying for you know, sports channels that are just content and are not just ads, 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 ads. So when you go to you know, free television, if you get TV over the air, it's, it's hard to watch for half an hour because 20 minutes of it is ads, it feels like. Well, actually, I'll give you the timing. A one-hour TV show, I think it's 43 minutes of content, and the rest is ads. But of that 43 minutes, you've got the introduction, you've got the closing credits, and the closing credits are always going to be filled with ads. So you'll see the closing credits being run very fast, and in a central screen, you see a preview of that show's next week's episode, a preview of other shows, or some sort of advertising or something. 
So they fill it from beginning to end. Now, there is a DVD from Dish Network, The Hopper, that supposedly allows you to bypass the ads. The TV networks are freaking out, but so far haven't been able to stop that in court. Yeah, so, it's, just, it's like the, the TiVo, the idea of, you know, people bought hardware to get around ads. People don't like that, that ad thing. And, you know, one of the things that iTunes was trying to do is sell, you know, provide a, at least a way for people to buy content that didn't have ads in it. I'll tell you, you what, have we have to like- stop. We have okay. to stop for ads. I'm sorry to say that. <laughs> okay, Daniel Aaron Dilger joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for under $30,000. You heard right. That's 5,000 square feet under $30,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100-foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Take delivery in spring. 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products. Most ready to ship same day. 
Visit the Berkey Guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey Guy. Pharmacist Ben Fuchs knows the importance of proper digestion. Make sure you take a look at the ultimate enzyme product. They're made with bile salts and fat digestion enzymes and protein digestive enzymes. And not only do the ultimate enzymes give you obvious benefits for digestion, but they can also help keep your blood flowing through your circulatory system. As most of you probably know by now, thick, sludgy, clotting blood is a serious risk factor for heart disease and stroke. Clearly, inappropriate and excessive blood clotting is a major health issue, and thick, sludgy blood is not just about heart health either. Sludgy blood can compromise oxygenation and nutrient delivery to all your cells and tissues and organs and ultimately lead to almost any health issue you can name. Concerned about proper digestion and heart health? Order Ultimate Enzymes by calling 866-735-2470. That's 866-735-2470. Or on the web at brightsidebed.com. That's brightsidebed.com. Order today. Do you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl. Live with Gene Steinberg. All right, the price of free TV and radio, of course, is ads. You've got to expect that they have to monetize it to pay for the entertainment. So you have to put up with ads. But, you know, there are different ways to get around it. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger joining us. And we have these other services, these alternative services that are providing ad-free content. So, for example, Netflix has become another TV network because they're originating content. Was it House of Cards, that TV show getting Emmy nominations from Netflix? And now they are licensing Marvel superheroes for TV shows. And all you do is pay, what, $8 a month? Yeah. um, Are they entirely ad-free? I honestly don't know. I haven't watched them. (laughs) Well, it'd be interesting. I mean, there's a lot of different models and, and, you know, that's the whole thing about what the market is for is they're trying different things to see what will work. And on one side, you have companies like Apple that are saying, if we can limit ads and, and give people privacy, will they pay more for hardware for a premium device? That's, that's kind of Apple's tack. And then on the other extreme, you have companies that are saying, if we give you everything for free, can we just track everything you do and sell, um, sell ads at you and use your content to sell ads at other people? And there, there are people that appeal to both directions. I mean, the whole kind of Android crowd is all about, I want everything for free. I don't want to pay for anything. And if you want to just like use my privacy, that's fine because I don't, I'm not really private about anything. And when you listen to Eric Schmidt talk, that's kind of what he says. Like, you don't have any privacy. We're, we're owning it and we're giving you free stuff. So be happy with that. And if you listen to, you know, the Steve Jobs message and Tim Cook and the kind of things that they say, they say we're trying to pre- give you high quality hardware. So it's really kind of aimed at different groups of people. And that's becoming very evident when you look at, you know, people talk about, oh, my, um, Android has such huge market share. It's like, well, it doesn't matter because A, they're not selling anything of value. They're only monetizing things with ads, which has quite limited value. And so that's why Apple's making all the money. So it's important to just see the difference there. And, and, you know, it's okay to have different opinions. So some people don't like the idea of 
paying anything for anything and they want to have things as free as possible. And in some cases, it's, it's kind of not necessarily all one way or the other. There's some people that want to pay for some things and will, you know, accept a free version of something else to, to have access to it and, you know, deal with ads in an area that they don't really care about. So, so it's just the market is shaking this out. And, and I think what's happening in the ad world is that they're working so hard to kind of make it more and more efficient to just put more ads and all the time and everything to pay for everything. I, I think that's not sustainable. And I think that people in general are going to back away from that same way that they rejected Windows 98 push ads stuff, the same way that people have not really cared for ads on television. It's not popular. People have constantly gone, especially the valuable part of the segment, the valuable segments of the market. People with money are willing to pay more for a nice experience that isn't cluttered with ads. Ads are kind of perceived as not being classy. So it's kind of up to companies to decide where they want to be and what kind of direction they want to push in. But it's, there's no controversy about the fact that the, the companies that are making the most money, i.e. Apple, are doing it without an ad focus. They're selling hardware and services at a price. And if you look at the enterprise, it's the same way. I mean, can you imagine selling ad-supported stuff to companies that rely on things having to work? That's just not going to fly. All right, what do they do, for example, with the Surface tablet? Is there junkware on that? I know, of course, it has Office. But what is there that monetizes it other than buying the product? I think Microsoft is, at this point, just trying to get people to buy it on any level. Because, I mean, they haven't sold any yet. I mean, they haven't really sold a, a significant... It's not a business yet. It's, it's an experiment. And going forward... I mean, if it was popular, you can be sure that it was going to be full of ads because that's what Microsoft does is once they start selling something, just like chalk a block full of ads. I mean, that's the same thing with the Xbox. They were basically giving it away. And originally they were paying people to have an Xbox through subsidies. They're giving you more hardware than you're paying for. And, you know, they've just recently reached the point where they're sort of like breaking even on gross margins, but they're losing. I mean, Xbox is losing money and it's been losing money. It's been losing billions of dollars for a decade. So that's, that's why they're pushing so much effort into advertising through it. And, you know, going forward, if you look at their other, they, they don't really have a track record of any, any kind of hardware. The Zoom was a failure and all the things related to that. Even their efforts to have, you know, sell third-party hardware have not been successful. The whole place for sure thing and, you know, trying to even, even sell like Windows Ultrabooks and Netbooks and things like that. There's just not enough money there to share between all these different companies. So, I mean, Apple's kind of figured out a very sustainable business model. And I always think it's comical when people look at Apple and say, oh, there's, you know, there's always going to be commoditization of markets and Apple can't stay ahead of it. And it's like, well, Apple has been staying ahead of it for the last decade plus. And they've been making so much money that they can afford to produce the next big thing. And they're consistently doing it. And nobody else is. I mean, if you, if you look at other companies that are profitable and are huge and have tremendous power, and in a lot of cases, better distribution than Apple, look at Samsung. What does it come out with on a regular basis? It, it comes out with a lot of experiment, experiments, and most of them are failures. And even the ones that are, you know, it's the most successful things are less successful than, than Apple's. So that's why these companies, especially the company, you know, if you go to the second tier of companies like LG, that are not making money on smartphones, 
I mean, it used to be people talked about smartphones like it was a money tree that you just put a smartphone on the market and you had billions of dollars just spraying at you. And there are two companies now that are profitable and everybody else is kind of breaking even or losing money. I mean, Google bought this Motorola for $12.5 billion and they'd lost another billion dollars in the first year of running it. And there's no indication that it's going to turn around. People are not buying this Moto X product. And so, of course, these companies that can't sell hardware are going to turn around and try to make money in other areas. And it's not clear how you could do that unless you were spraying ads at people, because that's the only other obvious business model. All right, let's look at this a little bit further, though. Now, we understand Google is making most of their money from the targeted ads and everything. It doesn't matter if they break even on the other stuff, perhaps, but eventually that has to reach an area of diminishing returns, as you said. But if I'm a company building smartphones and I'm not making money, what do I do? Samsung makes plenty of money. Apple makes plenty more money. But HTC, LG, the rest, what do they do? Do they get them sold off like the handset division of Nokia for fire sale prices? How do they stay in business if there are no profits, except for Amazon? Amazon never makes a profit or seldom makes a profit. Well, Amazon is telling its shareholders that at some point they're going to be making a profit. I'm not sure exactly. I mean, it doesn't really make sense, but they're kind of waiting. They do have this idea that at some point they're going to be able to say, we're now making money. But if you look at what Amazon is doing, I mean, Amazon is basically doing the same thing. They're taking all the, um, they're spending so much to build out a marketplace and go into cloud services and all this other stuff. They're building all this infrastructure to support what would essentially be hardware sales if they were making any money. Kindle is clearly not making any money, even though it's hardware. And even though they have, you know, it's not just flying under the radar stuff. It's like they're, they're trying to sell a product that could be profitable. But they have such razor-thin margins now. I don't see how in the future they're going to be able to raise the price up and sell a premium product. I mean, if, if you're attracting people based on cheap hardware, you can't turn around and sell them luxury because they're not going to, you can't sell people things that they're not even appealing to. I mean, it'd be like if, you're, if your idea to compete with, you know, like a, a known brand, not even like a luxury brand, but even if you're competing against like a, a good vehicle and you're creating basically cardboard vehicles that are super cheap. At what point in your business model can you turn around and start selling people luxury cars? You've established that you are cheap and you've uh, attracted clients that are after super cheap, minimal stuff. You can't turn around and sell them luxury because if they could afford luxury, they would have bought it from somebody else. Okay, we actually have two Korean automakers part of the same combine, Hyundai and Kia, doing just that. They came into this country selling cheap cars. Now they sell mid-price cars. And both are moving more into the luxury platform. There's a Hyundai Equus now that sells for fifty or sixty thousand dollars as an alternative to Mercedes or BMW. The car gets good ratings. I mean, if you're looking for a luxury car, there's no prestige whatever in a Hyundai. No prestige at all, even though it's really a nice car. But they are certainly trying to go into that area where people who want value over prestige and are willing to pay a little less for it. Daniel Aaron Dilger joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. (music) 
America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, then carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. What looks good under your Christmas tree and tastes even better? Big Berkey water filters. Yes, the gift of clean water. A gift that provides a great foundation for achieving good health in the lives of your loved ones. A Big Berkey water filter gives them protection from bacteria, heavy metals, chlorine, fluoride, pesticides and herbicides, VOCs and more. And best of all, a Big Berkey water filter is a gift that lasts for many years with no additional investment. And that saves time and money in filter replacements that other water filters require and are even powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water. As always, all orders over $50 are shipped free, and GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Order online at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com, spelled Big, B-E-R-K-E-Y, WaterFilters.com, or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-B-E-R-K-E-Y. Gift well this Christmas. Give a Big Berkey water filter. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have Daniel Aaron Dilgrove, Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider. And you have a BMW, my friend, don't you? I do. Okay. Well, one of the things you mentioned... Hyundai and, and other companies that came to the market and they had pretty cheap cars and, and now they're trying to sell, you know, higher end vehicles because that's where the money is. But what's important to note is that it took them 20 years to get there. So they came into the market in like the early 90s. I don't know exactly when, but it was like that's when they were hitting with these junk cars. It took them 20 years. That's a very long time. And the cars are good. The mid price and the more expensive cars are really good. But as you say, it didn't happen overnight. And then, look, Toyota has done the same thing. They came in here with cheap cars, the original Corona before there was a Camry. You had a Corona. I owned one in 1970 or thereabouts. And now they've got Lexus, a luxury division. Nissan's got Infinity, where they had cheap cars, got mid-priced cars, and then decided to fork the stuff that's more expensive into a luxury division. But as you say, it's taken years to build that. And you can say the same thing about Apple. I mean. In the early 90s, Apple was selling, trying to sell Performas, and they were, they were trying to figure out how to sell cheap, low, and hardware, because that's what Microsoft was kind of getting the PC OEMs to build. And so they went from, from having, you know, kind of luxury hardware. We had, like, uh, motor-automated disk drives, where you put in the disk, and it would, like, 
suck it in really nicely. They they went to PC devices where you put in a disc and it would just clunk in. So they got cheaper and cheaper devices and made a lower and lower end product. And that did not work. It didn't make the money. And it took them a very long time. It took them the entire length of the 90s to, to sort of come out of that and to go back to being more of a premium tier vendor. It takes a long time to change your identity. It's it's quite fast to go down. To get to get cheap, to look cheap, but it takes a long time to build a reputation of of quality. And so these companies that are now selling tablets or you know netbooks or whatever, and they're trying to go after just the bare bottom pricing, how are they going to like incrementally take those customers and bring them upward? And the other thing to look at is proportional. So if you look at companies like Hyundai or or anyone, their luxury sales are a very small proportion of their entire sales. And they tend to be people who already are used to the brand. They're in their ecosystem, and maybe they want to look for something a little bit better. Maybe they got a raise from the boss, they got a new job, but the choice would be to go to another brand or stick within what they know, the Kia, the Hyundai, pay a little bit more, but they're already used to the dealers and the service. Yeah, And the ecosystem, to keep customers who would otherwise go to BMW or Mercedes or Lexus or Infinity or Acura. It kind of seems like it's Apple's game to lose. Like if, if Apple drops the ball and starts making products that people that don't make people happy. And if they try to charge too much and if they're not, you know, constantly keeping the game going and staying a little bit ahead of everybody else, there is a risk to Apple and everyone is aware of that. And everyone's talking about it all the time about how, what if commoditization happens to the iPad and all these devices that Apple sells. However, we have more examples of Apple staying ahead of commodity markets, whether it's netbooks and, you know, PCs and plays for sure music players and all these things that tried to commoditize Apple's products and failed. Then we have examples of PCs taking over the Mac in 1990. That's not what we're seeing over and over and over again. And so this kind of current outlook, I think it, it fails to grasp that all these commodity products are largely trying to achieve profitability through advertising. And we're seeing that with smart TVs and all these other devices that are coming up. They're trying to push the adware and spyware stuff that didn't work in the 90s. And that really ticked people off, that, that made people, gave people a really unfavorable impression of their brands and their products and really push people towards the premium product that apple is doing and when i look at that it's just surprising to me that more companies aren't aren't trying to be more like apple they kind of figure that the only way they can compete is on price because that's that's what's happened with so many of these so-called competitors when they try to compete with apple with stuff that appears on the surface at least to be competitive at the same price as an ipad or an iphone it, it didn't work, except, for example, the premium smartphones from Samsung are priced about the same as an iPhone. But the other thing we're seeing here is I get the impression Phantom or white box tablets, and I say Phantom because we can't see the physical product. We just see them in the sales reports, these low-end tablets that you call what? White box tablets. Well, you can see them, but the, the, a lot, in a lot of cases, they're not, re- I mean, they're not iPad competitors in a large measure. So there is, it's not one thing too. There's, there's a variety of things. Uh, there are extremely low end devices that are trying to be 
iPads in in China. You can go to blogs and just see reports of all, all these devices that are, you know, they're just knockoff junk stuff. And there is a certain market for that. And of course there is. It's not a very profitable market to be in, but there is a market for it. Um, and in some cases, they are competing for with iPads for sale in the same way that there's all these like super cheap PCs that are competing against Macs. But the difference is that Apple's making money selling Macs and they're creating cre- repeat customers. Whereas, you know, all these cheap PC vendors are struggling to stay afloat. They're not making money and they're not building clientele that's impressed with their products. But that's not the majority of the market. When you hear these reports saying that, you know, 80% of the market is Android. Well, a a big chunk of those are so low end, they're just garbage. You know, I'm just looking at the Walmart site here and they've got a product called Nextbook 7-inch tablet with 8 gigabytes memory with Google mobile services. It's $59. Of course, you look at the specs, it's kind of old. It's a 1 gigahertz Cortex A9 processor. It's a gigabyte of RAM, which is normal. The touchscreen, though, is 800 by 480 resolution. It's normal resolution. It is not, of course, high definition. And the front webcam is a third of a megapixel. Yeah, you have these products that are kind of like, you know, 80%. If people were just buying the hardware, it would, you know, it would appeal to some people to get the cheaper kind of device. But the biggest problem for these devices, these Android devices, is that they don't run Apple's ecosystem. So all the apps and things that people want to use are not there. And yes, it does run Google Play stuff. But if you look at Google Play, it's not comparable. It's primarily adware stuff because people aren't buying apps for it. You know, people who are attracted to $50 tablets are not going to turn around and buy a bunch of apps for, you know, $10. No one's buying premium apps for these devices. It just doesn't even make sense. So it's like getting the game console that doesn't have the games on it. Why would you do that? Why would you get the third tier, you know, something below the, you know, the, the Wii U when you could have the new PlayStation 4 or Xbox One or something like that? The platform is important. And if you remember in the, you know, in the 80s and in the 90s, there were all these companies who were offering alternative stuff. Nobody wanted it because, because the software platform was pretty critically important. And Android is supposed to be offering a, um, an alternative platform, but it isn't. There's junk and you can get simple app games and stuff, but it's, it's more like Symbian or you know, the Java ME stuff. That Yes, there was apps for it, but there weren't apps that people really desperately wanted to to run they weren't cool apps it wasn't the new stuff and it wasn't um it was lacking a lot of areas you get new hardware that involves some app and it may not even have an android version and if it does you can be guaranteed that it's going to be really third rate because i'll tell you something let me just tell you something here i spend some time with the samsung galaxy s3 and the s4 and i got quite often the same apps as I had an iPhone, where they were available. But almost always they were inferior. Like, for example, Time Magazine. You think Time Magazine. You know, that's going to be a pretty advanced app, right? On the two high-end Android smartphones, that app barely ran. You had to, like, stop it, started a couple of times to just see one story. You tap on a story, and half the time it wouldn't produce the text. We'll have more to say about that. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider. 
I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Gold, it's like nothing else on Earth. From the Romans through the Renaissance, from the Industrial Age to the Space Age, gold has weathered the test of time. For 6,000 years, gold has remained the ultimate store of wealth. According to the World Gold Council and the U.S. Mint, demand is at an all-time high. The stage is being set for the reemergence of gold as the common-sense alternative to a fiat paper currency that gets weaker every day. Midas Resources is proud to offer the hard-hitting report that arms you with the truth you need to protect you and your family from the Fed's plans for your hard-earned money. Don't gamble with your future. Call Midas Resources today and ask for your free copy of As Good As Gold. Call 1-800-686-2237 for the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As Good As Gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System system today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. A healthy digestive system supports a healthy immune system. And a healthy immune system protects you against infections and disease. Pro-EM1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse, available at Terragonics.com, is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM1 is a powerful liquid probiotic and is gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM1 contains three groups of beneficial microbes and enzymes to cleanse and remove toxins, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, and aids in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM1 
one is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, is non-GMO, has all-natural certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is never freeze-dried. Pro-EM-1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com. Terraganics.com or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. They say that Android is a power user's paradise, I guess because you have to be a power user to get the things to work. Daniel Aaron Dilger joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. So we have millions and millions of these cheap tablets from companies we never heard from, from Trio Stealth G2 10.1-inch tablet for $149. And I dare say the thing's got to be a hunk of junk. Well, yeah, I mean, buying a tablet from Walmart would be like going to Walmart to buy tools. You know, you could buy things that say there's a screwdriver and whatever else, but you actually go to use them and they're garbage because, you know, they're importing stuff that's, you know, purportedly in the shape of a real product and it's super cheap. But, you know, you buy it once and then you realize, oh, there is a difference between stuff that you're paying something for and stuff that's virtually free. It should be fair to point out that a Walmart will have normal price stuff from the major manufacturers. You know, they have TV sets from Panasonic and LG and Vizio and everything. But they will also have no-name junk. Yeah, and when you're buying a tablet and it's advertised for $50, that's clearly not in the same market as a tablet that costs $500. Yes, but you know, these companies that do industry analysis and they're checking sales, they'll put those up in the same category as an iPad because it's a tablet. Yeah, I talked to the guy from IDC, and I was asking him what... um, I kind of pointed out the fact that, you know, first of all, you're not counting tablets as PCs because you see that that they're a completely different use case. You know, they took basically Android tablets and iPads and called them media tablets and left tablets running Windows, they, they keep calling those PCs, so that they're avoiding any direct comparisons. And at the same time, they're putting these $50, you know, tablets with quotations around the, the word, in with iPads. And so I ask him, you know, what about these arbitrary boundaries? I mean, is it, you do realize the discrepancy of the logic that you're using here. And, um, yeah, I mean, he acknowledged that, and it's like, it, it, you just have to make a, a boundary somewhere. And if you look at the motivation for these kind of reports and, and for the headlines that they create, it's not raw data. It's, it's data that's designed to serve some purpose. It's like going to, you know, the smoking society to, to find out information about smoking and cancer. Well, the information that they outline is not going to be pure data. It's going to be massage details that make it sound like there's not a problem. <laughs> you know, I mean, 
consider the source when you when you go to, to something these companies that are coming out with data are not just like fonts of information that because they want to tell everybody what's going on it's they're they're creating an impression that's favorable to their clients i mean that's their job that's why they exist that's why they've always existed and that's why gartner and all these different companies have always portrayed this you know they always come out with these predictions about how microsoft's going to come out and win in the end hmm i wonder why that's the case I mean, it's, it's pretty obviously transparent. And like one of the, the recent articles I wrote um, pointed to a, a reader actually forwarded to me strategy analytics on their website that came out and said, one of the things we do for clients is, you know, basically shift perception in the, inter, in the, in the market. We tell people what to think. Just give us money and we'll create impressions of what will influence buying behavior is what they call it. That is pretty pretty clear admission of like what their role in society is they're propagandists they're like telling people whatever they're paid to say so i think that has a really undermining impact on the, the data that they present although the data they present is also interesting because if if you if you consider the source and if you look at what they're saying you can also turn around and look at it from the other direction and be like okay so they say, they're saying this they're pointing out this but at the same time there there's this tacit admission that the the opposite is also the case and so i get all kinds of great content from their from their data because they're actually saying a lot more than what they're pointing out like one of the things the idc report the whole headline was that android has 80 percent of the market but if you look at the numbers that they're presenting what they're really showing is that premium android devices are not bigger than apple's iphone market and they're not commanding the same price. I mean, you, you mentioned, for example, you know, Galaxy S4 is similar price to the iPhone to an extent, but overall, the sales of these phablet devices, these, these high-end smartphones, the premium smartphones that are kind of trying to compete more directly with the iPhone are selling for average sale prices of like $480 or $440, something like that. Whereas the iPhone's ASP is at the time it was it was um it's above 600 it's like 630 or something so that's like a 200 dollars price premium that apple's getting on average so some of those android devices are selling for the same price as an iphone but a lot of them are are doing these cut rate sales and and that doesn't even include all the advertising budgets and the spiffs and all this other stuff that's that's supporting those sales so android devices are not selling even the high-end stuff is not selling and then the low-end stuff which is two-thirds of what they're talking about is being smartphones this is the junk that you know it runs android but it's not a smartphone can barely run apps i mean you're talking about the, the premium samsung phones that struggle to run basic apps well this is the junk two-thirds of this 80 percent is junk that's selling for 200 dollars, and you know an asp of around 200 dollars. that means some of it's lower than that so this mass of volume is really with their own data. They're pointing out that nobody's competing with the iPhone. They're trying to exist outside of it. But they're, you know, this whole Android winning thing is, is quite obvious from the statistics that are supporting this concept that it's not winning. It's not winning in any sort of way unless you're thinking that ideological war of, you know, how can we arm the proletariat with the most number of devices i mean that's the only way that they can say that they're winning so you sell a lot of cheap junk and also if you look at what platforms sell apps which is important for software developers and if you look at which 
ones get online, if people are barely getting online and not obviously with other tablets, because was it 85% of online traffic is iPad, if there are targeted ads on those other products, they're not helping Google because nobody's using them to get online. They're junk. And if you look at the performance of the companies that are selling it, it's not an alternative. It's not an alternative successful route to survival because these companies are losing money. They're losing money selling phones. And phones are supposed to be the thing. I mean, the reason that Samsung got into smartphones kind of behind Apple was because they saw Apple was making money using their components. And so they were, you know, their their rationale was we're making these components. We can rip off the, the top layer that Apple's doing and create similar devices. You know what? We're just about out of time. So let's leave it there because the issue of Samsung versus Apple is one we can do several shows on. Daniel Aaron Dilger, can you tell us where to find more of your stuff? I write for Apple Insider, and I have my blog roughly drafted that I haven't (laughs) written for a while, but I need to. But yeah, I'm I'm writing pretty regular for Apple Insider. Daniel Aaron Dilger, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Yeah, thanks for having me. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. What looks good under your Christmas tree and tastes even better? Big Berkey water filters. Yes, the gift of clean water. A gift that provides a great foundation for achieving good health in the lives of your loved ones. A Big Berkey water filter gives them protection from bacteria, heavy metals, chlorine, fluoride, pesticides and herbicides, VOCs and more. And best of all, a Big Berkey water filter is a gift that lasts for many years with no additional investment. And that saves time and money in filter replacements that other water filters require and are even powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water. As always, all orders over $50 are shipped free, and GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Order online at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com, spelled Big, B-E-R-K-E-Y, WaterFilters.com, or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Gift well this Christmas. Give a Big Berkey water filter. Do you owe the IRS money that you can't pay? Are tax liens and levies ruining your life? Are you tired of being afraid just to go to the mailbox? If this describes you, then Dan Pilla can help. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla, and I've been solving tax problems for more than 30 years. In fact, I wrote the book that made it possible to negotiate settlements with the IRS, and I've helped thousands of people do exactly that. 
Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. New changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever before eliminate their debts once and for all. There's no need for you to suffer another day with IRS debt. Call 800-346-6829. I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. These days, so many suffer from heartburn, stomach ulcers, and acid reflux, and most never realize it is the high acidity within the body that causes their discomfort. While selective diet choices can help, AlkaVision Plasma pH drops can really make a change. A few drops added to water can optimize your body's pH level, ridding you of harmful waste and acid, promoting health and restoring vibrance and energy. Healthy pH levels make all the difference. High acidity can also cause depression, insomnia, and irritability. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops bring you vital balance that can be truly life-changing. Alkalizing boosts immune response, reduces headaches and cramping, and even helps prevent bone loss. This is simple science that helps your body do what's natural. Order your AlkaVision pH Drops for just $29.95 at AlkaVision.com, A-L-K-A-Vision.com, or call 800-518-7615. Alkalize your body, supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. We have tech journalist Dan Berg joining us once again for a fascinating discussion of what's happening in the wider universe of Apple and technology. We'll talk a little bit later about the Xbox One. Thanks for coming back on the show. I wanted to bring up this news item, and that is that a Silicon Valley jury Thursday added $290 million more in this damages lawsuit involving Apple and Samsung. Now, we're not going to get into the geeky details here because I think people tune out. But Dan, what does this mean for anybody? It sounds like a couple of multinational corporations are just fighting each other in court, even though they do business with each other. And does that make any sense? How does it impact anybody? Well, first of all, thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, I think this whole patent thing, it it just shows how broken the system is. All the big tech companies hold a bunch of different patents for things. And so at any time, they could technically sue another company and do the lawsuit. Um, In this particular instance, I do think it is pretty obvious that Samsung copied Apple. So I, I kind of understand it. But I think overall, the entire system is broken so that anybody that is kind of upset or feels weird about this should be looking at the entire system and getting that dismissed rather than, oh, Apple and Samsung and all those details that are really not important. Well, the raw thing about Apple and Samsung is this fact, which came out early in the trial. And that is before there was an iPhone, a Samsung smartphone looked like a BlackBerry with the physical keys. Mm -hmm. As soon as Apple came out with the iPhone, suddenly the Samsung smartphones look like iPhones. That's the end of the story. Forget about whether it's the rubber band patent or all the other issues. That's the issue, the most important thing, that Samsung is the kind of company 
that obviously has incredible resources. It's obviously a successful company. They make very good products, but they're not very original. Well, I mean, with something as original as the iPhone, it's that's not an originality that happens all the time. Like that changed everything. So of course, somebody's going to create a revolutionary product and people are going to want to create more of that because suddenly that's what users want because users see this. They're like, oh, this is exactly what I wanted. The thing about Samsung is they copied it almost exactly to a T. They didn't even add their own kind of flair to it. A lot of people would say, okay, well, that isn't possible. I mean, people wanted the big touch screens. But if you look at what Microsoft has been doing and Nokia was doing with the Windows Phone 8 and like the whole new design, it is possible to innovate in the field while still giving people what they want. And the problem was, is that Samsung didn't do that at all. They just straight up copied, which I guess for for a lot of companies, that's not unusual or not strange because they don't want to really test waters. They, they find that it's more advantageous to them to really see what's working and then get into the space and try to do it for either less money, which Samsung did, or just really create as many products as possible because Samsung has, I don't know how many different smartphones and how many different sizes and just try to like, just saturate the market and get everybody on their platform. So yeah, I mean, Apple did something, they changed everything and Samsung did fly out copy them. Um, I mean, whether that's necessary to happen in order for evolution. Like if somebody creates a good way of doing something, you obviously want other people to build upon that, to create even better things. And that's how evolution works. But it is more or less pretty much an exact copy what they were doing. And I think that's really what the issue is. And I, I don't blame Apple for being mad. Of course, Apple made a big point of the fact that when the iPhone came out, they had lots of patents on it. So it was a message to the industry, wait a minute, if you're going to do this, you better be different. And you have to think, though, that a company as big as Samsung has the resources to do something totally innovative, totally different. They spend lots more money in R&D than Apple does. Yeah, I'm, I guess it depends on what you mean by resources, because people would say that Steve Jobs or Johnny Ives are like the the real head or the, the steerers of the direction of Apple. And so that was really the iPhone was the vision of a select two. And having a product like that, it wasn't the result of tons and tons of research and development. Because like if you had asked people what they wanted out of a phone before that, it would have been like uh, clearer calls, better reception, like that kind of thing. And, and creating an entirely new product like the iPhone comes from the vision and it comes from the vision of a either one person or a small group of people so i don't think that any amount of r&d could have created something like the iphone or, or a product similar to category changing things such as that and you also have to look at it this way with jobs and ivy it was really two guys walking in the garden yeah exactly <laughs> and now of course it's still a small number of people and Apple coming up with stuff. There's no Steve Jobs there, but Jonathan and I have grokked what Steve Jobs was doing. And you have other people, but still you have the fundamental of a small team of people delivering a concept and then bringing everybody in to build the prototypes. But then the other exactly. thing we see here is all these published reports. Well, Apple is testing a 12.9-inch iPad or whatever. 
a 4.9-inch iPhone. But you see, with another company like Samsung, if they build all those sizes, they try to sell them. With Apple, they'll build lots of stuff that are being checked out, tested, before they come up with something that actually gets the green light. Yeah, it's an an entirely different process. They actually test and try the products that they make and the features that they're releasing before putting it out there. With a lot of other companies, it's with the technology, we can do this, so we are going to. But they never stop to ask, okay, is this the right feature? The best example, or, or a good example that I like to point to is the Galaxy S4 with the scrolling by looking down, like with your eyes, like, oh. pay attention to where your eyes are and it scrolls. And for features like that, I see them most as, one, it's like, we can do this. Haha, look at us. Two, on a press release, that's another bullet point that sounds really impressive. And features like that are fantastic for sales reps that are in the store and trying to sell a phone to people. They can point to the Galaxy S4 and be like, look what this phone can do that none of the other ones can do. And a lot of people equate a phone that has more features to a phone that's better. Samsung knows that and it's smart. It puts all those in there. But if you look back at it, is that really something that, I I mean, we could say, are people using it? And I'm sure the answer is very few people are using it. And I'll give you a reason, Dan, why very few people are using it. Because I had the Galaxy S4 here. The reason very few people are using it is number one, the feature barely works. I never got it to work except when I did a setup. If I did a setup, it would work and scroll very slowly even when you set it to the fastest setting. But once I went through the setup and tried to actually use it in the real world, it never worked. Did it ever work for you? It barely. It was on and off. It was really finicky. It was something that I, I turned off after doing a little bit of testing with it when I did the review of that. Right. Um, but I, at the same time, when I really think about it, I, is that something that I would want? If you're holding your phone in your hand anyway, most likely you're going to have three fingers along the back. Your pinky is going to be at the bottom of your phone, like holding it in position, and then your thumb is going to be at the front. I I can't really think of many instances where your thumb can't just go up and down. Like The convenience of using your eyes is not enough to make uh, that much of a difference. Whereas a feature like your fingerprint scanner on the iPhone 5S to unlock your phone is a big difference because it's getting rid of not just the swipe, but also the punching in of a passcode. It's it's subtle things like that where you have to look at, okay, where is it important to cut time or energy out of the user's experience? And with something like scrolling, it's not enough that even if it was reliable, I can't see people picking that up and that becoming a big habit versus the fingerprint scanner on my 5S that I got. I now try to unlock my iPad mini with that, and I'm disappointed that I can't. And <laughs> you know, that you get into so the habit easier. of it. We understand that. Oh, it's great. I got to do it. the break now. Dan Berg joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. G-C-N. Great talk radio starts here. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. 
ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. Time and time again. You need to come here and help us. We need assistance. Please. Those we should be able to depend on let us down. Federal and state and local officials saying help is on the way. Well, the folks here in Bell Harbor say show me. Don't depend on the government to save you. Take action now so that you're prepared for the next disaster with MyPatriotSupply.com. Get the best prices on storable food, non-GMO seeds, water filtration devices, home canning equipment, survival and self-reliance books, and more at MyPatriotSupply.com. Call 866-229-0927. We are hurting down here, and we need help immediately. Before it's time to survive, it's time to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. An e-cig revolution is sweeping across the country. But is yours American-made? Vapriate e-liquid by LaSig is. Manufactured in Arkansas with 100% USA-sourced ingredients. And when you buy American, you support local jobs. Vapriate e-liquid by LaSig is top quality at an affordable price. The very principle that once drove the American economy. Get great taste with no ash, tar, or smoke. You'll be wondering why you didn't make the change to Vapriate e-liquid by LaSig a long time ago. LaSig.com has everything you need for beginners to the advanced vaping enthusiast with a wide variety of hardware and also imported e-liquid flavors as well. Plus, LaSig smokes the competition with fast, free, same-day shipping, real people customer service, and a 30-day satisfaction guarantee. Support our country and become a vapriate at LaSig.com or call 870-525-1440, 870-525-1440. LaSig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker. Ouch! My back is out again. Hi, Dr. Ortman with Wellspring Spinal Care. If you're experiencing neck, mid, or lower back pain, this information is for you. One of the complaints that I hear is patients receive their typical adjustment, only having to repeat them as the pain returns. Putting the bones back in place is only half of the battle. At Wellspring Spinal Care, we have the entire solution. We use the NUCA approach, utilizing three-dimensional x-rays and gentle touch technology to deliver specific correction. We then design Design a custom nutritional supplement program which provides essential nutrients targeting the areas of concern. With a NUCA approach and proper nutrition, you'll be on your way to a faster and more permanent recovery. To get you on the road to wellness, visit DrOrtman.com. That's Dr. O-R-T-M-A-N.com. Or call us today, 952-303-9124. That's 952-303-9124. Wellspring Spinal Care. Chiropractic done right. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. 
I'm the Tech Night Out Live tech journalist Dan Berg rejoins. We're talking now about features that are useful and features that look good with the bullet points. So, for example, we have Touch ID. And it mostly works for me on iPhone 5S. Mostly. Sometimes it misses. The real trick is to basically do the same finger two or three times so you have slightly different setups and it'll pick the one that it senses. Now, there was an article from somebody, I think over at Huffington Post, saying, Touch ID, epic fail. What is the epic fail? Well, it appears that for some people it's not reliable. All right, fine, don't use it. I couldn't even, I'm not sure how anybody could call it an epic fail. I think that it's, I mean, as far as what I've seen, been a wild success. I, I think people just look for reasons. Like it's it's not like the smart scrolling on the S4, like we were just talking about, which is buggy and never works. It's something that is mostly reliable. And I mean, for me, I've there's five different slots you can use five different fingers on there, and I actually use four of those slots with different fingers. I have both thumbs and both index fingers because I use my thumb if I'm pulling it out of my pocket, and I use my index finger if it's sitting on a table somewhere and I want to unlock it real quick. And I mean, it took me a while to really get the hang of the proper method to scan them. So when I first got the phone and I first scanned my finger in, it didn't really work that well. So I ended up erasing that and redoing it once I understood the process. I can get it from pretty much any angle. There are some times when it doesn't necessarily work. Like if I've just washed my hands and my hands are dry, but they still feel a little moist, sometimes that doesn't get it or so on and so forth. But For the most part, I'd say it works about 95% of the time. And I think that anybody that's claiming that it works less than that, it's user error. It's not iPhone error. Well, you know, some people have scarred fingers or something. There are legitimate reasons why it wouldn't work. But if it doesn't work, use a passcode. Forget about it. Exactly. Don't drive yourself crazy. First of all, you're paying the same amount for the phone, with or without Touch ID. The premium iPhone each year is the same price. So it has a feature that works for most, not for you. Don't sweat. Yeah, one of the most frustrating things for me when it first came out was all the quote-unquote security experts saying, well, the Touch ID isn't that secure. But I know that for at least for me, before I got the 5S, I did not use a passcode on my phone. I did briefly, and then it was like, I don't really have that big of a concern about people stealing it. And it was just a pain to constantly put in a passcode. So I just kept my passcode off now because it's so easy and the fingerprint stuff, I use it. And it's an extra level of security that I I wouldn't have had before. And the convenience of having that means that I do now, which, and that's really where it's at because yeah, you could break the fingerprint thing. Like if you do X, Y, or Z, but you could have done that with the passcode too. I mean, there were YouTube videos every time there was a, glitch or something there. I wouldn't necessarily call any of those big epic fails because at the end of the day, they're making your phone safer than it would be if it wasn't there. And that's the whole goal. And the first thing you do when you set up Touch ID is to set a passcode. And bear in mind, when you restart your iPhone, you have to enter the passcode each time you restart. Very important. But now you're in the habit of, okay, I had to set the passcode anyway. If Touch ID misses that time for whatever reason, use the the passcode as it goes back there if it misses a few times. Now, the other thing to bear in mind is that this is Apple's way. So, for example, when it comes to backups, I remember they introduced Time Machine for OS X. They said something like 25 
or 26% of Mac users never backed up. So here's Time Machine. It's fail-safe. You just hook up an external drive. It takes a second to set up. That's it. It's not as full-featured as a third-party backup program. It doesn't make a clone or duplicate of your startup drive. But it works. You can restore your Mac from it. And I don't know how many people use Time Machine, but if it was 25 or 26% of Mac users before Time Machine, I bet it's over 50% now. Oh, yeah, definitely. I've had issues myself with hard drives failing, and as a result, I am always hesitant to back anything up on my own hard drives. I use uh, just an online backup service. Uh, I use Backblaze, which I love. Uh, the important thing, I, you were saying it doesn't copy the start drive, and I, I'm totally okay with that because the important thing, more and more, the important stuff on your computer is the files because you can go back and you can play with settings. And actually, with when Mavericks came out, I just backed up all of my files and then completely erased my hard drive and did a clean install of Mavericks. And it was beautiful to have just like a clean install of the operating system to be able to start from scratch and set everything up. And then I just reinstalled uh, the applications and put my files back on. And I'm just happy with it. And it's the files that are important. So with, with Time Machine and with all these other services, they're backing up the important stuff, which is the files. And, you know, with Apple, of course, what they've done now is they've put all your apps, or at least most of your apps, are now in the Mac App Store. So it's very easy to restore them anyway. Oh, man, that was great. Yeah, I I went through before I erased my hard drive and just made a Google Doc with a list of all of my different um, applications that I had so I would remember to install everything. And the ones that were from the App Store, I just clicked a button and they were there. And now it has automatic updates, so they automatically update to the newest version. It's just so much easier. I didn't know if I would like the App Store uh, when it came to the desktop. I was one of those people that was kind of hesitant, but man, if you're restarting and you don't have an app, it's um, it's amazing. It's great. And one nice thing about it also is that it can do the updating behind the scenes. You don't have to actually physically do it. You can do it automatically, just like iOS now with iOS 7. Yeah. I just get a little notification in the corner saying, this app updated. And I'm like, yes, new version. Great. And speaking of new version, I know people really ragged on Apple because of the new version of iWork. And this is partly Apple's fault, I think. So we have the new version of iWork. And what they did is the same thing they did when they completely overhauled iMovie, but especially when they did Final Cut Pro 10. And that is you build a new code base. You start almost from scratch, I guess, is pretty much what they did. And the goal with iWork was to make it file compatible with OS X, iOS 7, and iCloud. Okay? So the first iteration, iMovie, then Final Cut Pro 10, then iWork, has fewer features. They took out some features because they probably didn't have time to get them all done. Now, with iMovie, there was an epic freakout, but of course they left the old copy installed. With Final Cut Pro 10... Some video editors had an epic freakout, but they went to Avid or Adobe Premiere. And nobody bothered to tell them, I guess, well, you didn't delete the older version. You still use it. If you don't like the newer version, you know, ask for a refund or something. Complain to Apple. And then Apple added back all or most of those features and then some to Final Cut Pro 10. And now with iWork, it's the same thing. They had to go back. Lean it out a little bit, and as of this week, there's a new update. They've added some of the features back, the 
transitions for numbers. They've added back customizable toolbars. The problem is, and we can get into all this in a moment, the big problem that bothered me about it is that Apple should have put out a press release, not something in a support document, but a press release from day one saying, hey, folks, it's a new platform or a new overhaul of this application. A few of the older features aren't there. This is what they are. We expect to have them back soon. End of story. They didn't do it. Yeah. It, definitely when you mess with people's software, it, it becomes a, an area where it's best to err on the side of giving more information rather than less. Um, with something like Pages and iWork, I think that Apple sees their demographic that uses it as slightly different. I mean, when they, when they did Final Cut Pro 10, that was a professional level software. And to take features away from professional level software is, I, I, I have no idea why they chose to do that. That's just crazy to me. And they're back and people are using it and people really like Final Cut Pro 10 now. But when that happened, that was a big outcry. Uh, but with Pages and Keynote and stuff, it's it's funny. The people that notice the differences are very few and also very loud. So like the tech journalists and the people that read tech websites, but that's just a very, very, very small percentage of the people that use the applications. And in Apple's case, the market share that they have is very, very small also. So they should have definitely put out a press release because the people that care about that are the ones that they alienated. But I feel like they have no problem just cutting out features temporarily and then bringing them back because they know that the people that care about that stuff will forget about it within a few weeks once they're back. And the people that are their main clients and the main people that are using this won't even notice. That's right, because most of these features few care about. We care that we have Dan Berg joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document? Worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. 
With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average over 19 years of experience, Legal Shields law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE. 855-340-7283. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So when Apple introduces a new product, and for reasons of development schedule, whatever, they have to remove features they're going to get ragged on. They need to be upfront about it. They were upfront about OS 10, which is the same situation exactly with OS 10. That features for Mac OS 9 weren't there or were there in a restricted form or something. And the first release of OS 10, 10.0, after the public beta, Steve Jobs admitted because I was at the rollout event in Cupertino. He admitted, look, this is something for early adopters and power users. There are some things we don't have here. We will add them back. They couldn't even, you know, read CDs or something. I forget whatever the problem was. Or record on CDs. I forget. Something like that. Printing was really disabled. And Apple fixed it and made it better. But they had to start from something. And the public doesn't give them any slack. They did then, for the most part. Apple got over it because they left OS 9 as the default installation. Now, people get freaked out. But... The question I'm going to ask you, and I want to get to some other stuff about new products, one being, of course, the Xbox One, which is now available. Before we get there, now that Apple is producing an office suite, free. The OS is free. Where does that leave Microsoft? Uh, to be doing the same thing. Um, but how do I, they do it if they're taking away their income base? Well... It's tough. I don't know. Build a better product that people want to pay for. Um, I mean, it, it's the same thing with any sort of software. I mean, there's always going to be free versions of applications, but people are more than happy to pay for versions that are better and more full-featured and more compatible with things. And I think for now, that's what people have to bet on because there is no doubt that Microsoft Office is way better than Pages. There, there's no doubt. And Excel beats out numbers, um, although Excel for the Mac is pretty terrible. But Outlook for the Mac is even more terrible. I have never been able to use Outlook for the Mac for more than a day before screaming bloody murder and going oh, back man. to Apple Mail. Exactly. Yeah, they just don't care about that stuff. But they're they're building their online suites and Online is really the way to go because you don't even have to worry about compatibility. As long as somebody has uh, an up-to-date browser, which more and more people are getting up-to-date browsers, uh, you have everybody that's able to use your services and use them everywhere. And I, I the the future of uh, products and services and software that we're heading towards, that they're trying to get to, is that whatever device you're on is simply a display. And then your content is somewhere else and you can just access that content from any device. And the first step to that is 
creating the Microsoft Office suite and all of the other like iHome and iWork uh, in the cloud. And that's it's really the first steps. And a lot of people are going into it with the mindset of how software used to be. But how software used to be is transitional because the real at the end of the at the end of the day, a user's goal or a user's want is I want to write something. It doesn't matter what device they're on. It doesn't matter where they are. They're going to want to write something. And so the easiest way for them to get somewhere and start writing is going to be the best solution. And for the future, that's going to be something online that you connect to with whatever device you're on. So it's almost going back to the theory of so-called thin clients where everything is hooked up to the cloud, very little local storage, just enough processing power to get by. Is that the ultimate direction here? Yes. I mean, we're seeing that with iCloud. We're seeing that with SkyDrive. We're seeing that with how Dropbox is trying to position themselves as a hard drive for every single online application. It's definitely going to be the future. Just like um, the best example of internet connectivity that I like to think is your telephone. You used to have a home telephone line. Everybody had a home telephone line. And then cell phones came around. And then slowly and surely, everybody started getting a cell phone and paying the monthly fee to have a cell phone where that didn't exist before. And then slowly after that, the home telephone line started going away. It's still around for some people. But for most people, they don't have a home line anymore. And I think that the internet and Wi-Fi is going to be very much the same way. Uh, having a home Wi-Fi connection is going to be antiquated and everybody is going to have, just like you pay a cell phone bill, you're, you're, it's not going to be a cell phone bill because who talks on the phone as much anymore? It's mostly data. So you're going to have one monthly bill that's for data. That's going to be all your devices. That's going to be your laptop. That's going to be tablet. That's going to be phone. That's going to be everything. And then through that connection, you'll be able to access all of your files, all of your everything, no matter where you are in the world. And that's where we're going to be. I don't think we're going to be there for another five, 10 years, but that's definitely the the definite or the direction that we're heading. And that's what all of these companies are preparing for right now. So we're going to have a situation here where we have one or two devices in our home. Everything is immersed in a sea of internet access, wireless. You don't have to hook up anything. Just turn the devices on and get whatever content you need. And the display depends on your needs. You may still want a traditional keyboard, I suppose, or a mouse and a big screen, but the basic computer behind it is just what's necessary. Hmm. Exactly. And I think that uh, the first big example that's going to be a push in this direction is going to be the smartwatch, uh, specifically Apple's smartwatch, because the direction that people are taking um, in terms of the watches that exist right now is based on old premises, which is I want to access the information that's on my smartphone, but I don't want to pull out my smartphone. I want it on my wrist. And I think that that's wrong. And that's backwards looking rather than forward looking. If we're looking instead at a future where somebody has a bunch of different devices that connect to all of your information, which is elsewhere, we're going to see a watch that is independent of your smartphone. So it is an entirely new category. It's going to have connection into and of itself. So just like when the Kindle first came out and that had like 3G connectivity and you can get your books and it was free, there might be a subscription for it, but it's going to connect to your services and it's going to provide value that's not available on your smartphone. And it's going to be a different way to interact. It's not going to be a touch screen like we know from tablets and smartphones. Because it's a watch and a watch is different, it's going to be something different. And I think that 
that's really what we're waiting for in terms of the next steps for technology and computing. I think that's where everybody is missing the story about the iWatch because they look at the iWatch and they just see, well, this is Apple's version of what's there now. They look at the Pebble or this Galaxy Gear thing that Samsung came out with that nobody wanted to buy. They look at that stuff and they come up with a conclusion, well, this is what Apple will do with a fancier interface. And that's it. They won't realize that, no, Apple is not going to just take an existing product and come up with their own version. They're going to come up with the right product. They're going to see what's wrong with this product. What problems need we solve? And when they figure out how to solve those problems and deliver it affordably, then you will see an iWatch. And I agree it will be a standalone device. I'm absolutely yeah, convinced exactly. of that. Yeah, that's how they're going to sell more because if it's just an accessory for your smartphone, there's only so much they can sell. They're, Apple's in the business of inventing new categories. If you had asked somebody before the iPhone came out, what's an Apple iPhone going to look like? They would draw something like a BlackBerry, but with a different screen or something. like. And that's what's happening with the smartwatches right now. It's like, what would Apple do with a watch? So they're going to draw a watch that has a smart screen. And that's definitely, it's it's not visionary. It's 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 backwards looking. They may actually make something that kind of looks like that, but it's not going to be the same thing. Yeah, well, it's going to be something for your wrist, and there's only so many options you can do for your wrist that people are going to want to wear. But it's definitely uh, all of the concept designs that I, you see floating around of what it's going to be, I think are we're going to be greatly surprised. Okay, you heard it from Dan Berg. Write this down. You heard it from Gene Steinberg. If and when an iWatch comes out, Yes, it'll be wearable, but it's not going to be something that you have to stick your smartphone in your pocket to make work. It'll live unto itself. It'll be an independent product. And therefore, Apple will produce something totally different than what you see now. Totally different. You heard it here. Dan Berg joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night How Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Do you know how much the dollar has lost in its value against other currencies in the last 90 days? Ever think about how inflation will change your life, your savings, your retirement plans? Remember inflation in Zimbabwe, Argentina, the Weimar Republic? 
Put another way, who cares if your investments go up 10%, but you lose 40% of your purchasing power. Gold is the only monetary asset as no one else's liability. Gold still buys the same amount of stuff it always did. Gold does not require trust in a third party. You can possess it in your hand. You can take it with you. Gold is real money. Gold is honest money. My name is Daniel Larson from Midas Resources. To find out how you can protect your savings and roll over your IRA funds into precious metals accounts, please call me at 800-686-2237, extension 134. That's 800-686-2237, extension 134. 800-686-2237, extension 134. What looks good under your Christmas tree and tastes even better? Big Berkey water filters. Yes, the gift of clean water. A gift that provides a great foundation for achieving good health in the lives of your loved ones. A Big Berkey water filter gives them protection from bacteria, heavy metals, chlorine, fluoride, pesticides and herbicides, VOCs and more. And best of all, a Big Berkey water filter is a gift that lasts for many years with no additional investment. And that saves time and money in filter replacements that other water filters require and are even powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water. As always, all orders over $50 are shipped free, and GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Order online at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com, spelled Big, B-E-R-K-E-Y, WaterFilters.com, or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-B-E-R-K-E-Y. Gift well this Christmas. Give a Big Berkey water filter. Normal blood pressure, naturally. How would that make you feel? I'm Don from New Mexico. January of 2000, I had a heart attack. Then my real health began going downhill, and I had uh, high blood pressure, high blood sugar, poor vision, and I really wasn't sleeping well. I was a mess, pretty much. Don reports dramatic improvements with heart and body extract. I started taking uh, heart and body extract, and from within a few days, I started sleeping a lot better. My blood pressure uh, normalized, my blood sugar normalized, and uh, my sleep really did improve. Experience these benefits and more when your body gets what it needs with the assistance of Heart and Body Extract. Order at HBExtract.com or call 866-295-5305. That's HBExtract.com or call 866-295-5305. And folks, I did not expect this at all. By the 7th, 8th, and ninth day, I saw dramatic improvements from taking Heart and Body Extract. Details at HBExtract.com or call 866-295-5305 for Heart and Body Extract. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Dan Berg joins us. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. Of course, Microsoft introduced the new Xbox. And this comes, of course, in the wake of the original Xbox, which I regard as kind of a troubled product because for years, Microsoft dumped billions of dollars into it before they began to show a small profit. As many of you know, one year, Microsoft took down a $1 billion write-down to fix defective Xboxes, as you recall. So, you know, it was a pretty a pretty messy thing. So now we've got the Xbox One. What need we know about it? The Xbox One is a completely different 
device than what we've seen before because the previous xboxes have been gaming devices and that's been what they're trying to do the xbox one does gaming and that's why all the gamers and everybody there is excited about it and that's why when you hear people talking about it in the press and media they're still like this is microsoft's new gaming device but it's really really so much more than that because technology companies for a long time have been trying to get into the living room and replace the cable box and do something there because that's a huge opportunity and people are very frustrated with how much cable costs the packages you have to buy into when really you just only watch a few handful of channels and all these other things. So technology companies been, have been trying to get into the living room. This is Microsoft's attempt, and I think it's going to be successful, to become the center for living room entertainment. Um, as of right now, all it does is you can plug your cable box into it, and Xbox provides interface to interact and change channels. It's kind of clunky, but it works. The last gaming console came out like six years ago, and I think that these new consoles, so be it the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One, are going to be around for the next decade. And they're built forward thinking. So if you look at the choices that they made, it's not based on where we are right now. It's open to the ability of what they foresee for the future of your living room. It's really awesome. I, the Xbox One is pretty awesome. I'm, I'm a fan. Even though it's a Microsoft product. Yeah, I think this is the one thing that Microsoft is doing extremely well. And I think that all the other tech companies in terms of going into the living room are way behind. And it's sad because, I mean, Apple has the Apple TV, which is like a Roku, but not you can't have a bunch of apps for it. Like it's it's not very good, but. The Xbox One is an Apple TV and a gaming system and your internet for connecting and viewing things and social, and it knows who you are. They, their connect is so advanced. Uh, literally, you sit into your living room and sit down, and it recognizes your face, and it logs you in. It gives you a personalized experience. It's really advanced. And the, the future of our technology and futures, especially around the home, is going to be recognizing who you are and setting things to your preferences. Like right now on your computer, you can log into different users and it gives you different stuff. But automating that system and giving you that for everything, that's really where the future is. And the Xbox One is killing it. All right. If we're looking at efforts to do things in the living room, we think of Apple's hobby, the Apple TV. But if Apple TV is strictly to get TV channels, iTunes channels, etc., they haven't updated the product since 2012, but they've added channels and more channels. So where is Apple going to go? It's, it's interesting because in terms of the living room, I feel like Apple is in a position of a company like Samsung or Nokia when the iPhone came out because I, that's how far – but that's how forward thinking I think that Microsoft Xbox One is. Yeah, I have no idea. I think when they come into the living room, it's going to be something similar to uh, the Xbox One. And I think that Apple does have a distinct advantage there, especially with uh, iOS 7. One thing that they didn't really talk about too much, that a uh, feature that Apple included was the uh, ability to add controls for games, like a, a controller. There already are controllers hitting the market. I think Logitech has one out. Exactly. And they standardized that, which is great. But I think that it's less a move for iPhone gaming than it is a move for their future 
move into the living room. Because if they standardize controllers now, that means that eventually when they release to the living room, you'll be able to have a standard, use a controller, and play all of these games that are already available. So they're going to launch in the living room with a library of preset stuff that's actually going to work. And that's the problem with Android consoles right now is they're built for touchscreens, and they don't really translate well to this. So I think that's going to be Apple's move. But Apple is moving really slowly in this front. And that means two things. One, that when they do uh, launch is going to be a great product because they're taking their time and testing things. But it also means that they're really falling behind companies like Sony's PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One specifically. Well, is that good or bad? It seems that Apple is trying to wait for the right solution. I think it's bad, mostly because I think that the other companies are getting closer to the right solution. With a smartwatch, it doesn't really matter because everybody that's creating smartwatches, they're creating terrible devices. With something like the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4, there is a rabid uh, fan base that are using their products and love it, and the launch events are huge, and they're doing something right. They're doing it really well. And of course, there could be some room for improvement, but I mean, if you look at the very first iPhone, like th there's so much room for improvement there. But I think that Apple is really falling behind, and it's uh, at a detriment to them. Does that mean that Apple has to kind of rush something? Or maybe they do have some solution. It will come next year. I think Apple is not going to rush something. If they were going to rush something, they'd have something out by now. I don't think that they're going to let the competition pressure them into releasing something before it's ready. But I also have heard rumors that they are going to make a move next year. So it'll be interesting to see. Although in terms of what I was saying about the standardized controller and games, I do not think the App Store is anywhere close to being something that we can use in the living room. So it'll be interesting to see what they do in regards to that. But you would think they could take aspects of the iOS ecosystem and the app store and bring it into the living room. But the other question is here, it's not just apps and gaming consoles and the controllers and everything like that. Does Apple try to replace Dish Network, Cox Communications, Comcast, the cable and satellite providers? Yeah, that's exactly what they're trying to do. Just like they did for the music industry and movies and like breaking everything up and people just get what they want. I mean, before the iTunes store, record labels made their money because somebody would hear a single and they would really like the single and they would want to buy it. And as a result, they would go out and buy the album and they would get 11 other songs that they didn't really know. Maybe they would like, maybe they wouldn't, but they were paying for the entire package. And that's exactly what cable providers are doing with cable packages. You want maybe six or seven channels. Those are the ones that you watch on a regular basis. But they want to charge you high amounts because they have hundreds of channels. They're going to bundle all these in when you don't really want it. And so Apple saw the need where a user, they don't want the album. They want a song. So they created a system where a user could just buy a song. I'd like to go into the ramifications of that because they're fascinating. And also about the problems of cable TV bundling and who's responsible. Daniel Berg joins us. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night How Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. 
First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com radio. DreamHost.com radio. U.S., one in every 50 homes will have a break-in this year. Burglars call it smash and grab. Police call it robbery. We call it avoidable. We are Fake TV, a simple electronic device that can fool even professional burglars. Fake TV easily plugs into any outlet and simulates the changing colors of a television. To a burglar, it looks like someone must be home watching TV, so they'll likely move on to an easier target. At only $29.95, Fake TV costs less than a month of most alarm monitoring plans and comes with free shipping. Order your Fake TV by calling 877-5-FAKE-TV or go to faketv.com. That's 877-532-5388 or faketv.com. Fake TV, the burglar deterrent. An e-cig revolution is sweeping across the country. But is yours American-made? Vapriate e-liquid by LaSig is. Manufactured in Arkansas with 100% USA-sourced ingredients. And when you buy American, you support local jobs. Vapriate e-liquid by LaSig is top quality at an affordable price. The very principle that once drove the American economy. Get great taste with no ash, tar, or smoke. You'll be wondering why you didn't make the change to Vapriate e-liquid by LaSig a long time ago. LaSig.com has everything you need for beginners to the advanced vaping enthusiast with a wide variety of hardware and also imported e-liquid flavors as well. Plus, LaSig smokes the competition with fast, free, same-day shipping, real people customer service, and a 30-day satisfaction guarantee. Support our country and become a Vapriate at LaSig.com or call 870-525-1440, 870-525-1440. LaSig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker. A healthy digestive system supports a healthy immune system. And a healthy immune system protects you against infections and disease. Pro-EM1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse, available at Terraganics.com, is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM1 is a powerful liquid probiotic and is gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM1 contains three groups of beneficial microbes and enzymes to cleanse and remove toxins, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, and aids in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, is non-GMO, has all natural certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is never freeze-dried. Pro-EM1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com. Terraganics.com. Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM1, the raw probiotic. 
What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. With Dan Berg, we're talking about what Apple might do to get into your living room. Now, the one thing about albums, of course, is it's most common for an artist to come up with one or two supposed records for singles, and the rest used to be filler. But then without yeah, artists exactly. like the Beatles, the album was became the experience. The album became an entire experience, and you wanted to buy the full album. But that depends, of course, on the individual product. I mean, if you see that this particular new album is something you want to listen to in totality, that's your choice. If you decide you just want a few tracks, that's fine. We understand that. Now, with cable bundling, it's very complicated because what appears to happen here is that the entertainment companies will go to the cable or satellite providers and say, okay, you want USA Network. This is NBC, USA Network, Sci-Fi Channel. But you got to take 12 other channels. You get it as a package. You can't just take one. So they're enforcing that. The other problem is that if you have a lot of channels bundled, you may find one day just channel surfing, you will discover another channel you knew nothing about, and you'll get hooked. You'll like the programming. But if that wasn't offered, you never see it. Do you see the dilemma here? Yeah, I mean, it's the same with music. I mean, you listen to an entire album, you find another song that you like, and you really fall in love with the band. And I think that there are still a bunch of people that want that. And I think that bundles of channels that you don't necessarily know are still going to sell once things become unbundled. But at the core of it is that not everybody wants that. I mean, if you look at the success of Netflix and stuff, it there the very few of the the discovery. I mean, you you can look through and it's like on demand and there is new stuff there. But like it's not like channel surfing or just like putting something on in the background that you've never watched before. If you're going to put something on in the background, usually it's going to be something that you've seen before, because if it's something new, you actually want to pay attention to it. Whereas with television, it's much lower stakes to put on just something in the background while you're surfing the Internet or doing something like that. I think that users want to separate this stuff and what the users want at the end is going to dictate what happens. I suppose also you can do this. You order the 24 channels you want, and then occasionally you throw in a sampler channel. Say, look, we've got some other channels you want to see. Check the sampler channel. Maybe you'll find something else you want, a way to showcase these channels that maybe don't draw your attention. Yeah, exactly. I can definitely see that happening. Okay, but how does it happen? Does Apple get the entertainment companies to pay attention? They got it to happen with the music industry. But the movie industry, the TV industry, they're holding tight and fast. Yeah, it's a lot more complicated with the cable industry. And that's why we've had so many delays. Like Apple is, or the rumors have directly cited that as the reason why we've seen so many delays with an Apple television thing that really raises things to the next level. But I think it's going to happen. I mean, there's a lot more contracts and a lot more people that our channels are specifically indebted to the cable companies that are distributing their content and with advertisers and who sells that and who gets the money from it. Because with the music industry, Apple would just say, yes, we get 30% done. And you could either take that or leave it. And they eventually convince everybody to take that. But the cable company is a lot more complicated than that. 
it'll be interesting, and I, I understand why they have so many details that they need to work out. You think it's going to happen. So is cutting the cord going to work? Does it work now? Is it possible for a lot of people to cut the cord now? I kind of see you could subscribe to Netflix and maybe Hulu Plus or, or go to iTunes with an Apple TV, and then you stick an old-fashioned antenna on your TV set to get the over-the-air stuff, and that's it. Yeah, I, I cut the cord. I haven't had a cable subscription in like six years. It's been a long time for me. I don't watch that much TV to begin with, but my solution is I just have a Roku box and I have a subscription for live television. I have a subscription to Aereo, the A-E-R-E-O, which they're they're coming to more and more cities and they provide like all of the over-the-air signals. So all of the free stuff, uh, plus Bloomberg, Bloomberg has a contract with them. You're able to, I have a Roku app that's Aereo and I can watch live tv it also has dvr capabilities so i could record all my shows and then in addition to that i have netflix and i have hulu plus and hbo go i use my parents subscription to hbo go yeah i can pretty much watch whatever i want with a combination of that i do miss a few cable shows and cable channels but not enough to want to pay the extra 70 dollars a month to get it all right let's look at this here this new service ario is it yes okay this is interesting because that company has been involved in lawsuits from, I guess, oh, yeah, the, so many. the broadcasting industry saying they have no right to, quote, unquote, retransmit. Now, remember what cable TV was originally. Before cable TV originated its own programming, it was available to people who lived in very congested areas where TV reception was bad or in small towns where you didn't have an easy way to listen to the large TV stations. So you had what was called a community antenna TV system, which is where a cable came out of. And they would have a single antenna, head end, whatever. And that's what it's descended from. And they'd use a series of amplifiers to speed this to your home with the wires. But it was designed originally just to deliver TV into areas where you got bad reception. And then one time, sometime along the way, I think it might have been the FCC, mandating they originate programming. And from there, you had premium cable where entertainment companies would charge you extra for special programming without commercials. And it went from there. Yeah. That's the history. I remember this stuff. (laughs) Aereo has been getting into a lot of different lawsuits in every city that pretty much every city that they announce that they're opening and they start getting into lawsuits. But the cool thing about Aereo is they've been winning all of their lawsuits. The way that they're doing it, they've found like the legal way to go about it. Like for every subscriber that they have, they give that one subscriber two antennas. And so they have like physical inventory. Technologically, they don't need two antennas for each person, but in terms of the law, they do. And so technically what you're doing is you're renting out the antenna and the antenna is just remote in their warehouses. But it's just like you were renting out like a cable box in your home, only it's somewhere else. And because of this little sly way that they figure out how to do it, they're winning all of their lawsuits and they're growing substantially. And I think it's it's great news for the future of cable television for users. And right now, you know, the cable and satellite providers are really up the creek because if you look at the profit and loss statements, they're not really gaining a lot of customers. They're not growing that much. They're basically, I think, stealing customers from each other. And right now, the people who have cut the cord, it's kind of on the edges. It's younger people who never had cable in the first place. It's people who 
take the time to recreate the best of their TV experience for a lower price and with more control and flexibility. But even then, what are these companies going to do? They have to see things are changing. How do they find a way to work around it and keep their business? Yeah, I, I mean, yes, they have to see things are changing, but that doesn't mean they're going to do anything to change. I mean, the music industry, it took them so long, and they got hit so hard because of that. But, I mean, in terms of the change, I doubt that anybody who is a teenager or younger is like a very, very small percentage of them are going to get cable subscriptions. As of right now, the most people that I know, like within my circle of like the tech journalists and people like that, the only people that I know that still have a cable subscription do it because of sports. And right now there is no real solution where if you want to watch a lot of sport games, you have to have a cable subscription. If there is a way to do that, and there, there are more and more uh, that are popping up, but once that becomes ubiquitous, I don't think that people are going to – I think it's going to be much easier for people to drop their cable companies, and cable companies are terrified of that. But at the same time, I don't think that anybody that is a teenager or younger is going to grow up and get a cable subscription because they've grown up with Netflix, and they've grown up with Hulu, and they feel like that's the norm, and that that's what they're going to do. And DVRs, I mean, just the DVR experience in general has – changed whether people are going to want that because they just expect to be able to watch what they want when they want it and you know right now with the new dvrs you can record what five six shows at a time dan berg joins us i'm gene steinberg you're in the tech night out live the gcn radio network providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio g c n great talk radio starts here Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for under $30,000. You heard right. That's 5,000 square feet under $30,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 
multi 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866 91 Steel. Lock in your price now. Take delivery in spring. 866 91 Steel. That's 866 917 8335. Wise up, load up at freeze-dryguy.com. Now is the time to get the freeze-dried meats, fruits, and vegetables you want from Wise on sale at freeze-dryguy.com. This delicious, nutritious food is perfect for your emergency preparedness or outdoor recreational needs. It's the food with a 25-year shelf life you see exclusively featured on the popular Doomsday Preppers TV show. It's the same quality line of food the lovely Marie Osmond has been touting all across America. It's the wise investment in your family's future that personal finance expert and radio host Dave Ramsey has been talking about. And it's on sale now through Cyber Monday, December 2nd at freezedryguy.com. So wise up, shop online now or call 866-404-3663, 866-404-FOOD. Make the wise food choice. It's easy to prepare, easy to enjoy, and easy to buy on sale now at freezedryguy.com. A little over a year ago, I began to do a lot of research into why, even though I had a pretty good-sized meal, that I was still starving. And my research led me to a well-known fact that most of the soils that we grow our crops on here in the United States and across the industrialized world are almost completely depleted of almost all of the key minerals and trace elements that our bodies need to rebuild themselves, fight off cancer, and be healthy. I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there and discovered Longevity. The Longevity products are designed to give you the real nutrition you need, and once you've got that, you don't have to eat as much to be satisfied. I've lost 37 pounds in two months simply getting the vitamins and minerals I need. Check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com today and order your first canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Complete Multivitamin Mineral Complex Dietary Supplement. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle, live with Gene Steinberg. Now, understand, folks, as you know, I've been around for a while, so they call me the old fogey here, all right? Dan is probably around the same age as my son, just to give you an example here. Just to put the perspective... I have DirecTV. I also have an Apple TV. But I primarily use the Apple TV to rent a replacement for pay-per-view because I like what they offer. Sometimes they offer extended versions or director's cuts, things like that. So I get my pay-per-view from iTunes, from Apple, and I get my regular fare from DirecTV. Of course, I keep the number of channels down to keep the subscription rate low. But everything is changing here. So, for example, Netflix is doing well with streaming. I gather they still have the DVD business for rentals. It's going nowhere. Blockbuster is now dead, officially. So you no longer rent stuff from your local store. I remember going to Blockbuster like every weekend and getting a movie. And Hollywood Video, I loved Hollywood Video. There was one right by my college. I would go there all the time. Hollywood Video, yes, I remember them. I also remember living in a town... In the 80s, where you had the local video store. And we go one here there in Brooklyn. every Friday, we go there and rent the new movies. 
Yeah, there's one here in Brooklyn. I don't know how they business, but I yeah, <laughs> it it brings me back. I feel like I walk back in time. You know, it's been so many years since I've been in Brooklyn. Just thinking about that would bring me back through time. <laughs> My wife was born in Brooklyn. I am from Brooklyn, but I haven't been to Brooklyn. Well, you know, the neighborhood I grew up in, you don't want to be there, was a combat zone. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> yeah. But there you go. Okay, so it's changing. Does Apple, though, produce a TV set? Is it just about the set-top box and the surfaces? What do you think? It's going to be a set-top box. It's going to be something like the Xbox One. They're not going to do a full-screen TV. There's too many challenges with that. I mean, with an iPhone, you can be like, okay, well, this is the correct, quote-unquote, correct size for an iPhone. And all it really needs to do is fit in your pocket for men or in, like, a purse for women. With a television, it's a lot more complex just because of people have entertainment centers or people are going to have different spaces in their house. They're going to want different things. And you really can't dictate, okay, well, this is the correct size. I mean, what they... What they could do is what Google tried to do with the Google TV is like incorporated into other people's brands. But I really don't see Apple working with other hardware manufacturers because Apple is all about being in control of the hardware and the software. And therefore, Apple wouldn't consider offering Apple TV technology for other sets. So it replaces the interface. It adds the services that wouldn't do that. Now, obviously, with cars, they're doing that. You have iOS and the car coming. And I have a car, a Kia, with Uvo, which is Microsoft's technology, which obviously won't be in Kias anymore if they adopt Apple, which, by the way, they're on the list, Kia and Hyundai. Now, for having Siri in the car, is that I thought that that was something that had deep integration with the iPhone. It wasn't by itself. Is it by itself? I, I gather it, that was part of it, but when they're talking about iOS in the car... I think they're replacing the entire infotainment system. It's a full solution for everything. Because otherwise, it's just halfway. Because remember, Microsoft is offering an infotainment solution. They're offering it, the Uvo system for the Kia, the My Ford Touch, which is a really big disaster for Fords. Apple sounds to me like they're going into that space. I'll have to look into that more. That would surprise me because... For everything that I know is Apple likes to be in control of the hardware and the software. And I mean, if you have the software and then you have control over the touchscreen, which they might be able to do with cars, that might be enough for Apple. But that that would definitely surprise me. I, I mean, with TVs, I don't think it's going to happen personally, but I, I definitely have been known to be wrong and I could be wrong there. Okay, well, what they're talking about here is iOS in the car seamlessly integrates your iOS device and the iOS experience with your in-dash system. If your vehicle is equipped with iOS in the car, you can connect your iPhone 5 or later, interact with it using the car's built-in display and control, or Siri eyes free. You can easily and safely make phone calls, access your music, send and receive messages, get directions, and more. It sounds like it's replacing a lot of that stuff. Huh. Did you say that you have to like plug in your iPhone? Well, obviously, it's going to pair with your iPhone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, your car that's is going to be accessory, it. technically. Sure, but even now, the Uvo system for Kia to work, it pairs with an app that you install on an iPhone or an Android phone. 
There's an app, a yeah. Uvo app that you can download, and it works as an intermediary. So I don't know. We have to see where Apple wants to go with this, how far they want to take it. Because conceivably, if you've taken over the entertainment system and the information system, how much further do you have to go before you take over everything, every element of the car's interface? Yeah, very true. It'll be, but I think Apple has said that they don't want to get into car manufacturing, which no. outright, which is why they're doing this. And I think that it's an elegant solution. I mean, what I've seen and what they've kind of showed off briefly has been very appealing. So it'll it'll be interesting to see how it actually is received and how the final product works. I think you'll see it in a limited number of vehicles in the various manufacturers because most car makers have it. But you also have to look at the fact that the interfaces of most car information systems is pathetic. Just oh, about terrible. every one of them. It's badly done. I've played with a lot of cars. Just taking test drives, you want to have fun. Now, obviously, a car dealer wants to sell you the car. And if you don't really want to buy a car, maybe you don't feel right about this. But if you go and do test driving in the cars that are in your price range, what you would consider if you bought a new car, drive a bunch of them and get a sense for the information entertainment system, the infotainment system. You'll find the interfaces are strictly horrible for many of yeah, them. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, that... There's the same premise that that's the same problem that people are having with smartwatches is they're trying to translate the iPhone or iPad touchscreen experience to a different device. I think a better actually parallel would be to using your iPhone as a control for your television and like trying to replace the remote control. And even though everybody has a smartphone in their pocket and all of the Samsung new phones and tablets all have the TV control. We're not even talking about the television, like the traditional controller dying, because the problem with a touchscreen is you need to look at a touchscreen because there's no tactile feedback. You can't like feel by touch, whereas with a remote, you, you can. You can look at the television while you're browsing. And I think that translates really well to cars because you can't look at a touchscreen while you're driving. You need to be looking at the road. And so there Speak needs to be a yourself. different type I'm of... I'm kidding because a lot of these car <laughs> systems do have touchscreens. But you still have a terrible. voice... That's why it's terrible. Pardon? And that's why it's terrible. Yes, but you do have voice systems. You do voice have system systems where you can basically engage most of those commands, like tuning to a station, there's a dashboard switch we know about but on the steering wheel there are little buttons and you use the button for listening or speaking and you tell the car set the temperature to 72 give me Sirius channel 127 or Sirius channel 100 which is Howard Stern okay so there you go obviously the story is not fully written there speaking of writing stories Dan Berg tell us where they can find more information on the things you're up to yeah, you can find me. I got a website, which is I am Dan. That's two N's. So I A M D A N N dot com or at Dan Berg on Twitter, again with two N's. All right. You can find us on Twitter too. We're known as Tech Night Owl. Once again, we are Tech Night Owl at Twitter. You check us out there. Also, check out our web portal, which is technightowl.com. That's technightowl.com. And there you can download episodes going back to what, 2007, 2008. We're going to have another radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. And get this, folks, 
This week we're featuring a guy named Matthew Williams, a guy from the UK who has made crop circles. This is one of the guys who makes those famous or infamous crop circles. We've got them on the Paracast at Paracast.com. That's Paracast.com. And Dan Berg, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks for having me. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.